0: Hello and welcome to the OneQ Podcast by Blueprint, where we discuss what we think is the next wave of innovation for technology and businesses. This is a podcast where we ask our guests the one burning question about the future of digital transformation. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the OneQ Podcast, where we discuss the next wave of innovation and technology within businesses. I'm your host, Ryan Neal, president of Blueprint Technologies. And today on our show, we have a guest, uh, Ross Lambert. He is a principal solution architect at uh, Blueprint. and Has just recently taken a new role. Uh, he uh, he plays a number of different wears a number of different hats at Blueprint. From the resident teacher, he runs our unofficial sweat lodge where we go to uh, go to uh, seek our inspiration and innovation. Uh, But then he's also taken a new role in our innovation lab uh, over at X. Ross, do you want to introduce yourself, say hi to the audience, and tell a little bit about what your new role is going to be? You bet. Uh, Well, you already know my name, Ross Lambert, and my new title is Emerging
1: Product Architect. And before I get into the details of what that role is all about, I need to give a preamble because it'll explain a few things. You're going to think I'm really ruthless otherwise, so I've got, I got to give a preface. Uh, years and years ago, back at the dawn of time, actually the dawn of microcomputers, I had a little software company. And for me, software development was my art form. And so I started a business so that I could do my art. And I loved it, wrote articles about it, published magazines, technical magazines for programmers and actually had some really, really good years, hired up staff, but we were heavily um, Apple computers focused, both Apple II and Macintosh. And those who were, got enough gray hair to remember that era also know that Apple had some pretty lean years in the 90s. And so at, at a certain point, all of a sudden the rug was jerked out from underneath us. And I didn't realize that the money that we had made was not due to my brilliance, but just to having hopped on a train that was going in the right direction. Oh yeah. And as soon as that train went in another direction, the whole picture changed. <laughs> and so that has really colored my experience ever since to the point now where I will tell you that really I'm very much bottom line oriented because I know businesses have to be. We have to make money. Otherwise my salary doesn't get paid. Otherwise If there's any kind of slight downturn, you know, if there's no buffer or anything, we we got all kinds of problems. All that to say, emerging product architect is about scouting out new technologies and then trying to match those up with client and customer needs to create a product offering that makes the most possible money. And I say that because a good part of our job, of my job, but Gary also is working with me on this stuff, is creating at least a process that we can apply repeatedly to evaluate the profit potential of an idea. And a lot of that includes creating what we call traction tests. And we don't want to have to go create some sort of full-blown product. So we really have, and this is where where their current
0: challenge is, I mean, you say we, uh, Gary Nakano-Lua, he's the Managing Director of Invention and Experimentation. He runs the X, which is our innovation lab. And then who else is on the team that works with you?
1: been working with uh, Megan Reinhart a lot. And we have a few people that are that are in and out. Uh, Ray Wu is currently out on an engagement, but dropped in today. So it was nice to see him again. But uh, just, just to finish that last thought, we tried to... Develop something I call it bait that attracts the same kind of people that have the need or, or maybe it fills a part of that bigger need in a small way might just be some source code mm-hmm. that we give away for free mm-hmm. might just be an ebook with some tips and that's what I'm currently working on now then we run some perhaps Google Ads or we do some press releases or we do some things on product hunt and see if the interest is out there Awesome. And so what we're really trying to get to is basically a series of gates. And if a product idea and its initial formation with these bait tests can get to the end of that gate, then we have a pretty good sense of not only how to reach people that are interested, but also how much it's going to cost to reach those people that are interested. And then from the preliminary research that we've done even before we got started on all this, we have a sense of the size of the market so the first one we do are estimates on market size and all that I expect and potential profitability I expect to, I hope we're really accurate but it's one of those things where we're gonna learn yeah. and we're gonna get better each time in terms of making those kinds of estimates so all that to say my role is to merge new products with customer needs or new technology and merge it with customer needs and develop the most profitable products
0: we can. It's awesome because we've uh, recently uh, um, uh, become a full-fledged technology company and and our, our uh, goal is to create these solution-enabling products that help accelerate our client solutions. So it's going to be a, pre- a real pivotal role. Um, so let me get to the one cue of the day for you. Um, since you are in this new role and you've been getting your feet wet, um, but you've been living this for... This has been your entire life, pretty much, um, <laughs> up until this point. It's not like you're starting from scratch. Um, so, what do you what do you see as the next the next wave of innovation, the next wave of invention within products and services that is going to be the game changer? Like, what's, what's what are you passionate about right now, and you see the biggest opportunity for your for your new role? Well, there
1: are several sizes of products that we're we're looking at. And we don't really want to um, always be going for something that takes like a year to develop because, frankly, the risk is extreme. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money to throw into something. And so there are several things of different sizes. Uh, For example, one of the things that we're looking at has to do with controlling cloud spend. Um, There's lots of stuff out there for monitoring your cloud spend. And there's lots of stuff out there for what they call managed cloud, where you have a company that. You go to them to set up your cloud, and they have their own UI, and so they insert themselves between you and Mm -hmm. Azure, or you and AWS, or whatever. And They're they're great solutions, but they're really heavy, and a lot of organizations don't want that layer in between them and Azure. But yet, if we can come up with a product that still helps them really lock down their Azure spend or their, their AWS spend without having to take over everything, I'm pretty excited about mm-hmm. that, and we're we're running some trials on that starting next next Monday.
0: That's awesome for all of our listeners, uh, um, especially for those in IT or on the business side. Uh, um, if you've experienced the uh, um, the 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 uh, cloud bill, the shock of your cloud bill when uh, when one of your teams gets a little excited and starts experimenting with things, that's uh, that's that's what the scenario that Ross is talking about, mm-hmm. giving you re- giving real-time, uh, real uh, time real real time monitoring of when that happens.
1: And it's, it's way more than monitoring, too. It's actually some ironclad control, uh, which I haven't seen anybody else do. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited about that. One, one thing that this is an actual customer story. We hit our Azure budget, and so we got all our developers together, and we said, look, don't spin up anything new. Spin down everything you can. And so for a day or so, things looked better. looked like they might be okay. Then some contractors in another part of the world who hadn't gotten that message, spun up a massive Databricks cluster. I mean, as big as you possibly could, I think. And we're doing a bunch of tests and because they were not operating directly one-on-one with the, the local folks, it wasn't until some alerts started firing that uh, the customer realized, not only did we not st- stop the spend, we increased our spend yeah. in spite of, of you know, really trying to hold the line. Yeah, you know, it was just out of control.
0: Yeah, that's the the, the unlimited scalability—the downside of it. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of uh, uh, cloud tech, like any other uh, any other areas that you're focused on.
1: Well, I'm I'm looking way ahead, and there are several things that are really interesting right now. Um, you know, every, people hear about blockchain and they immediately think Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of glad Bitcoin has kind of. I don't know, the, the price crashed, of course, and it's really volatile, and mm-hmm. it's sort of receding from the public's mind. It's like the tide going out. What's left on the sand is the real value. It's the little, little slivers of gold. Mm-hmm. And the fact is the real value is in the dis- distributed ledger technology. And that is getting really interesting. Uh, one thing that has happened is that companies, are, are, we discovered you know, through this whole Bitcoin exercise, distributed ledger technology is not mature enough right now. It's not uh, scalable in the sense that you can't get down to sub-second speed. By the time you get consensus from every server in the network, it can be sometimes 30, 40 seconds, upwards of a minute, and that's not good enough for like bank-style transactions, stock transactions, you name it. Well, companies are stepping up and they're saying, we have solutions for this. I was just watched a webinar from one company They are reducing the workload required to get consensus by creating what they call committees. So you have a committee of servers that represents thousands of other servers in the blockchain. And then there are other committees, and all the committees have to come to consensus. And once they do, then they broadcast out to their committee members. That's a really interesting way to kind of divide and conquer that Mm -hmm. workspace and get the same net effect. Um, As far as... Uh, a product idea for blueprint mm-hmm. there there are several things in the hopper um, one is that we're simply trying to find a way to represent something in the real world in the blockchain okay um, might be RFID tags might be uh, you know some sort of other kind of intrinsic collection of attributes about that object. Mm-hmm. Um, Because right now, there's only one company that I've seen. It's actually a guy that I know. uh, Created a company called Life ID. And they use your MFA on your phone. So you can use your thumbprint or whatever. And your, uh, your Life ID is actually stored on your phone, but you have backup alternatives, like to other relatives and things like that. So if you break your phone, you don't lose your ID. But it is unique to you forever. And so you can go to uh, any other website that supports Life ID, and you don't have to enter all your personal information. You just do your thumbprint, if your phone is enabled for it, or some other way. And I think it's really interesting that they bridged the gap between the physical world yeah. and the digital. And uh, like one crazy idea that I was just throwing around is, hey, we'll do like mini storage, and we'll have uh, items in there that are all uh, got unique IDs, and th- their ownership can transfer a dozen times, but when the person that
0: really owns it at the moment shows up, they can get it. I mean, it's it's brainstorming at this awesome. point. Awesome, love it. Well, you know, I you know I'm a, a big fan of any any idea that you can figure out to uh, monetize blockchain because that's what the, everybody's uh, focused on. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's awesome, uh, Ross. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. If uh, How do people get in touch with you if they want to talk about new ideas, um, find out more about what you're doing in the Innovation Lab, find out more about what you're working or what you're thinking about bringing to market? How do they get a hold of you? Well, the easiest
1: way is probably email rlambert at
0: bbcs.com.
1: I'm also available on LinkedIn, and I usually check that at least once a day. So if you want to message me on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll
0: get back to you there as well. And then if you're ever in the Wenatchee area, you can actually stop by his house and maybe uh, he'll uh, invite you to his sweat lodge. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, thanks for coming on the show as always. And you know, if you'd like to connect uh, with any of our other Blueprint folks uh, that, that Ross mentioned, you can either go on our website, www.bpcs.com or on LinkedIn. We're pretty active on all the social media sites. Um, And all of this information is going to be posted in the uh, podcast notes. As always, thank you for listening. And be sure to tune in next week as we feature another guest that is very passionate about innovation and tech. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you.